Welcome back to a brand new episode of Learning As I Go. A big shout out to British Triathlon for making this podcast possible. I've been doing some training. I'm going to fill you in later in this episode. But today we are joined by another incredible guest, Brooke Vincent. Brooke has been pretty much like mine and my brother's sister for around 16 years now. And she's been on a journey from being the well-known face and name that is Sophie Webster on Coronation Street to now being the yummy mummy that she is. And she's achieving so much with a new business, also B. There's loads to catch up on. And today you're going to get an insight into the real Brooke. The Brooke that she doesn't really share with many people. This is going to be one hell of a conversation. Sit back, get ready to tune into another life lesson with Learning As I Go. We finally job. made it happen. You've got the job. <laughs> got the job. But we've literally been trying to make this happen now so for, a little, for a little while. Because at first, you were a little bit kind of cautious mm. about coming onto the podcast. Very much But so. for anyone who doesn't know, like we've known each other and I've been thinking about this for a lifetime, for about 16 years. 16, 17 years. Yeah. And I've literally seen you grow from being the young Manchester actress, Sophie Webster, to being now this yummy mummy mother of two beautiful boys, businesswoman. Like, it's been a journey and you've seen me as well. Yeah, that's mad. That is mad. Like, um, the transition, it's been, a, it's been a long time. Yeah, it has. And you know, it's bizarre because we're both in a time now where obviously you're doing this and it's good and it's nice to watch because you do see people evolve and you've massively evolved. We're yeah. not here to talk about you, we're here to talk yeah, about no. me. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, this is like the relationship me oh, and Brooke I'm have like, because Brooke's like been like, You've always been like my big sister, even though I'm older than you. Yeah. You've always been the one like on a night out, Scott, sort your head out. The yeah. next day ringing me, what you played at last night. Yeah. Like you've always wanted the best for me. You've To be fair, out of everyone, like in the nightlife scene back in the day, you actually knew both sides of Scott because you would come round to our house with Ryan yeah. and you'd chill with us. Yeah. And then you'd be like, you see him on a night out, but you kind of balance that because you knew the real me, which is kind of rare. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, of course. And, you know, I think something that gets spoken about quite a lot is that how, you know, when you're younger, you just fell into obviously like doing your promoting and stuff, but how that changed you as a person. Mm. And like, obviously we've got the Ryan connection, but also, you know, Hayley and Scott, two of our best friends, they're obviously brother and sister. So I have seen you and you've seen me in different settings mm. when, you know, you probably, your guard's down a little bit more or you're not really in the mood to have a chat. So it's just like, hi, okay, yeah, I'm just getting a coffee and nothing, nothing that's forced. So yeah, it's it's nice and it's just nice to obviously be here and it's nice to have a catch-up. Yeah, We've not actually had a catch-up. 100% and that's, I think a really good point to mention is that, like you said, we're both on a bit of a transition of our life. Like, even the person just walked down those stairs then, like you. Oh, me? Like, <laughs> I'm talking about you. Like, it was like... It was so nice to see you just glowing. And it's almost like you're on this new wave now. But let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Right? And I always talk about this. And I always, I think it was like one of the first times I properly spoke to you. And it was in Russell Restaurant. I think, did you turn up with Helen Flanagan? I was with Helen. And, you know, funnily enough, that was the first time I ever went to an event without my mum. Right. And... Because you were like 16, right? Yeah, right. 16. And if you remember... 
the invitation said free food and drink. Mm. So everyone was on it. It was not like now where you could go and get free food. That. I was like, obviously I went. Um, but it, yeah, free food and drink. And it was like a huge, huge thing. And everyone turned up for it. And yeah, that's where we first properly met. And then obviously as time goes on, and, and the job that you then went into and obviously how our paths crossed with like Ryan and like say with Haley and Scott, you just see people in different environments. Mm. And then we just kind of like went off and, and parted. Like I, even though I was younger than you all, I was like in your era of partying. Yeah, of course. But the thing for me, like taking it back to like Corey, it was millions of views, right? And I remember being Ryan's brother, Ryan would take us into that world and then introduce us to people like you. But we were like, massive fans ourselves of the people that we've been introduced to. I remember going to the green room at Corey, sat in there with, as Ryan's brother, seeing Ken Barlow walk around, you walking around, and then trying to act cool and trying to be normal. But even with you when I first met you, I was starstruck, but automatically I felt comfortable because you're just so normal. That's so interesting you say that because I felt like that's for so long within Corey. Oh, really? You do. I've watched Corey my whole life and, you know, being sat there, looking around, seeing Ken Barlow, you know, Funnily enough, I was laughing the other day, like one day I'd see like Helen Flanagan asking bloody Roy Cropper to take a selfie of like with her. And then like the other day I'd be brushing my teeth next to like David Platt. Like it's bizarre and it's strange. And, you know, at that time when, when Corey was pretty much one of the only running shows that people like was religiously watching, obviously along with EastEnders and Emmerdale, but now we've got so much choice. Yeah, but yeah. back then it was a real, real little bubble. Yeah. And you were a huge childhood star, right? So at the age of 11, you went into Corrie. Yeah. And were you the third girl third to play Sophie, Sophie Webster? Webster? Yeah, third Sophie Webster. What was the process like getting that job? What happened? How did you get into it? I went to drama classes and then basically I, I went for the job. And I, I didn't have anybody around me that has ever been in that industry. I, it was just pure fluke. Mm. So I went for the audition. I remember... Off I went, and then a few weeks later, I got in trouble at school, I got a detention, I had to go to my mate's house, I had to ring my mum and tell her she was working night shifts at the time. She went, right, I'm coming to get you. So I thought, oh gosh. So she's on her way, and she, this was a really good family friend at the time, and she come in and she absolutely went mad at me for getting this detention. Why have you got this detention? I told you to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then went, anyway, you've got the job. And I was like, what? I was like, she was like, you've got the job. And I was like, oh my God, I've got a job. And I just got yeah, because I remember when Ryan got his job. How big news, like back then to get a, a job in Corrie? It was unheard. I, I didn't know anybody. I was so petrified for so long of losing that because in my head, I was the luckiest person in the world. And trying to navigate your teens and, and everything else along with that was kind of normal, but also like really challenging at the same time. But yeah, it just kind of like happened like that. And then... So, so as a kid, were you always into performing and acting? Was it always something that you wanted to do? I just did it because it was something that I said I wanted to do and mum said, okay, I'll take you. But it was a real struggle for my mum to get me there. Mm. You know, it was six o'clock on a Monday in the middle of town and every week was a battle to who could take me. And I remember one point I said to mum, I don't want to do it anymore. I think we did a show and I was on the stage and the lights was in my eyes and I was only young. I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. And she said, right, go back on Monday if you don't like it, you don't do it again. She was like, but if you do, and it's just the shows that you don't want to do, then just say you don't want to do the shows. So that's what I did. And yeah, I kind of stuck at it. And that's where we obviously met Sash. Like we've obviously been friends for that long. And it was bizarre, but I was 
so, so lucky in my head. I was the luckiest person in the world. It's, a, it's essentially like winning the lottery, getting one of those roles on, on a show like that. No wonder you felt so lucky, but obviously you were really talented. You've just got it, Brooke. Like every time you come into a room, you've got that energy, you've got that confidence. You. But you were pretty much growing up on screen as in real life as well. Yeah. What was that like in terms of being Brooke Vincent at school, but then Sophie Webster on TV as well? As a person, the person that I am, I'm quite loud, I'm sarcastic, I like to Telling crack me. jokes. I know, but you know, I am the class clown. I don't take myself too seriously. And I've always been like that. So, you know, in situations like school, if I was playing up, my mum was like, they will think you're doing that because mm. you've got this job. And I'm like, well, no, I was cracking a joke because da, 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 da. And she's like, I know, but, but then, so subconsciously from doing that job from such a young age, it's made me, hopefully, be so cautious of what's going on around me. Do you know what? I was going to say that, and you remind me very much of Ryan in a way, and I call it kind of, you are old school celebrities yeah. in a way, yeah. where being a celebrity back in the days, you had to keep yeah. your, um, your friendship group really kind of small. You had to have your guard up because people were out there to exploit you. It's not like now where celebrity is like really accessible. No. You can, do you know what I mean? I went on the yeah. show where I got nearly yeah. a million followers. It's like you actually were genuine, talented celebrities. And therefore, the one thing with you that, and I know it's like a big deal you come on this podcast, showing the real you mm. can be taken in the wrong way sometimes, right? One of the things that I obviously said when I come in, and, and one of the things that for me is a mad thing is that I've been media trained from being the age of 11. I've learned kind of how to skirt around questions that you don't want to cause controversy around or whatever it may be. I, I got a huge storyline at the age of 16 of, you know, my character coming out being a lesbian. And that was a huge, huge thing where you didn't want to get that wrong. You didn't want to upset somebody by something that you said. So for me to come on here as your friend, I'm still like a bit, oh, because, you know, I, I can't be my media trained self. You know me too well for that. So that's that's kind of like half my battle is, you know, Instagram, you can control, you can control how much you put yourself out there. And it's funny because I've been asked to do like a couple of like reality shows where they come into the house and see the boys, see me with Kian. And the whole thought of it just makes me shiver. But do you know why though? Because the world's changing, right? And everything that you were taught back then was right for that time. But almost now to be an influencer in this world or even to be a celebrity in this new world, you almost need to give a lot more than you used yeah. to. Yeah. And I know that you find that difficult. Oh, so, so much. And I see that in Ryan a lot. Ryan's like, this influencer world is we, like... We did, I say it to you all the time, I'm the worst person. Obviously, I know you've got social PR and there's been so many times you'll message me and say, can you do this job? I'm the worst person to work with because my life just gets in the way. I don't prioritise it. I mm. feel like there's more to life than me stood there trying to get my child to stand on one leg with a <laughs> pizza in his hand saying like, get this pizza. But I do understand it. I do fully get it. But... Obviously, having left Corey, I left obviously to have my little boy, but I then become accustomed to it because I thought, right, okay, this is giving me a, a situation where I can get paid, but not have to leave the boys and I can work around the boys and I can do it in around nursery times. So I started doing it a bit more, but even still, like, if it's not real or it's not organic, I really struggle. Do you know why though? Because you're an actor, right? An actress. Yeah, thank you. And actresses... <laughs> And actors, I think, find it really difficult to play themselves yeah. more than playing a role or a character. And yeah. I see that with my brothers, like they, our Adam, for example, great actor. Yeah. And he, but some, and he's getting better now, obviously. But 
actually being himself in front it's of the camera. Talking is to the camera. Yeah. I've spent 17 years learning to not look at the camera. Wow, so it's yeah. the whole thing of holding. And you know, I look at I look at Instagram and I see people who've got like these families that just look immaculate all the time. Our family, our house is like a zoo. So it's like, there's only one of us that's ever like dressed well out of me and Kian. It's normally Kian. I'm not look like I've been dragged through the hedge backwards, but the kids are my priority. Getting the kids out the house and us being on time is a huge thing. So I don't prioritize time to stand and have pictures in the garden. And he would not stand there and take my picture and say, just look up at the light and get that candy. So he's not got time for it. And I've not got time for it. So, you know, we're raising two boys that haven't got time for it either. Mm. But I respect people that do it. I understand why people do it. And you know, it's a business. it definitely is. Ad like Instagram is a huge advertisement tool. And people are, you know, if you look in depth at people's Instagrams now, there's a strategy now, mm. it's creativity. Mm. And you know, the way that girls are, you know, shooting their clothing or it's a way of showing your creative side. Mm. And I'm, I'm all for it. I just can't prioritize it at the minute. Mm. But there's so, an argument that now that social media is more powerful than TV in terms 100%. of reach and getting through to people. But let's go back though to, you were on this massive TV show every single night, millions of people watching. What kind of pressures came with that? Like, let's talk about some of the testing moments that you had. For example, you talked about when you played the first ever lesbian role mm. on Combination Street or even in soap yeah. or even on TV. Yeah. It was one of the first yeah. ever representations of that community. So what kind of pressure did you feel having to sort of live out that role. And also you were doing it with your best friend, Sasha as well. Yeah. Uh, big shout out to Sasha Parkinson if she's watching. She will be. Yeah, <laughs> she will be watching. But you two like were really close and you had to go and do this storyline. You had to kiss and you had to do all these... Sa so obviously Sash, when she got the role of Shan, she was like 17, I was 17. I think we just, we just started college. And all of a sudden we had this huge storyline that we just initially wanted to do justice. Mm. You know, it was something that was really hard for me because I obviously had never been through that. I'd never been through feeling really, really nervous or scared or however, you know, the character was feeling at that time. So for me, I just wanted to get it right, which was huge. But then it can go into something as simple as I'd never had a drink, I'd never drunk, but I had to act drunk as well. Mm. So it was like loads, it, it, it's, you know, I'm literally like, the icing on top of the cake. Like there's so much that goes into the storyline, the research, the the writing. Like I was literally just like the icing on top of the cake. Mm. And, you know, I look back now and me and Sash talk about it all the time. Like we had a ball, we was working together. We literally did everything together. And then it was so nice when we'd go somewhere. And I remember a girl coming up to us and she was like, thank you so much. And we was like, I didn't know what, I thought Sasha had done like a good like deed on the way in or something. And she was like, my grandma can relate to you two. And now she's relating to you two. She has somebody to relate to when she's telling her friends that I'm a lesbian. And now young people are just fearlessly unapologetic for who they are and, and what they stand for and what sexuality they are. And I love that. I love that I've been a part or, or I've been around to see that general growth within our children within our next generation. And I just love that. And I think, you know, being a part of something that was huge, just by, by saying a couple of lines on a Monday night, mm. that's literally all but I did. But that's mad to put it into context now. Like, 
everybody's quite kind of really open about their sexuality now. Obviously, there's still a lot more work to be done, but it was moments like that that kind of paved the way and pioneered yeah. that openness and those yeah. conversations around it. And it was a huge thing at the time. And even now, I like you take it for granted how much the world has kind of moved on yeah. um, from then. Yeah. But in terms of like, there must have been so many highs of being a soap yeah. star. Right. Obviously, I know that because me and you, we used to go out in, into Manchester. We were brought into and we get looked after everywhere. Guys with Scott Thomas, no, I got looked no, after. No, no, <laughs> Literally, I, like my mates on the door. Scott, can you get it? He's been kicked out. Great, great. No. Is there anyone else? <laughs> well, as, but as a, a child, like literally as a soap star in Manchester, especially, it was just, we had such a ball and an amazing yeah. time. And we lived the high life, going to all the best places, the parties, everything else. But in terms of like the lows and stuff, like, I mean, you won't even know now how much you have to change your life because it's, it's probably become second yeah. nature to you. Yeah. But you couldn't just like nip out to the local shop all the time or... There's things that like... The, the one thing that I will say that I, I, I can definitely hand on heart say it's affected is how I am when I'm with my friends. My friends are literally like a big group of girls, lare it, loud, nuisances. And we've been in airports on so many occasions where they're getting drunk and we're having a laugh and I panic. I instantly go into panic mode because I think, oh my God, what if that person thinks, why is she acting like that? And she and I used to sit there and overthink so many things. And I think it's getting worse as I'm getting older. But I think when I was younger, I didn't really care. I just didn't want to lose it. So I just did everything that they ever said. I was so good. I didn't go out on the streets drinking. I wouldn't, you know, go into clubs underage because I was so petrified that they would take it off me. That I, I tried my best to be on the straight and narrow with it. Whereas obviously as I've got older, I've kind of like worry a bit more now. Mm. I, I've got kids now and, you know, my partner and some people that need me and that you want to make proud. Mm. Joe, you know what's interesting, old Brooke, and that's one thing that I would say about you, and I reckon a lot of listeners will relate to this. You are an overthinker. Yeah. Like, I know, for example, if I ring Brooke and like book you on a job or no. like arrange this podcast, whatever <laughs> it is, like even like I felt pressure coming in this time, got to be on time, book okay, because I know that I don't want anything to be off course for you because you are an You're overthinker, and I know I am, but I think you are on a bit of a different. I think it's because from like say from eleven, I've been told what I'm wearing, how I'm looking, what I'm saying, yeah. how long I'm going to be there for, and you just abide by that. So, yeah. like say when this when this influencer world kind of took off, I was a bit like. Okay, so my my American accent that I've learned like loads of times doesn't matter now. Does that not matter? I just need to stand there and say like buy this soap. <laughs> but it, it does it. It's just a, a different shift. And I am very old school. I am a crank. I don't I don't do well to change. I just like to know where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. And you know, like I say, coming on here has been huge because I can't give you the scrubbed up version of also oh, how long have you been in Corrie? Like, what's your favorite thing? Like the general conversations that I've had over the years. But then I obviously, as soon as you asked me to go on, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then I sat at home and I was like, oh my God, am I even interested enough for this? Like, I'm not even interested. I'm the most boring person I know. Like I'm boring. I have a normal life. Like I don't have no scandal. Like there's nothing I can throw at you and be like, oh my God, it was horrendous. Like I've literally but, lived. But to, but to be honest though, but like, I don't think you're boring at all. And I think this book is the best book. And sometimes yeah. I, I wish everybody would get to see yeah. this kind of, do you know I mean, this level yeah. of book, because this is you at your best. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind this is going to be an amazing conversation. Do you think that you care? And I'm the same, by the way, and this is one thing. I know so come, what you're going to say. Do, like, do we both care too much about what other people think? So, right. This is a battle that I have probably daily in different situations. But 
for instance, I went out the other week and the day after I was driving and my goddaughter was with me and we'd been shopping and I said, oh, Lou, look at the Daily Mail and see if the picture was in from yesterday because that's on my mind. So she looks on the Daily Mail and she finds the picture and I was like, and she said, they're saying, da, 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 da. I went, no, look down at the comments. And she went, you want to read the comments? I went, yep, go down. I can honestly say there is nothing that I've ever read about myself that I don't know. I'm not under any false pretenses that I'm not like the most beautiful person in the world. My legs aren't the most beautifully framed in the world. I'm not. So I read things because I think I'm not having whoever's put that on thinking they're having a last laugh at me have the last laugh. I know. Do you know what I mean mm. by that? So I care about what people think of me face to face. Like if I left here now and, and, and somebody thought, oh my God, she was a dick. Mm. I'd think, oh my God, I'd hate for somebody to have that perception, like that perception of me. But in terms of anything else, like I don't care enough to change. Mm. Do you know, like I'll look through a different angle. I'll look through social media. I'll look at these girls who are absolutely stunning. And I think, well, if I had worked on like they had worked on, then I could look like that. But mm. I don't care enough to go and have work done. Mm. But that doesn't mean that every day I don't look in the mirror and think, God, I wish my lips was a little bit bigger or I wish my ears was a bit tucked in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because you do, you have yourself hang-ups. But I think we're so, so cautious in this day and age to try and thrive for something that's not achievable. It's mm. really not achievable. Mm. And then you're constantly trying to fulfill something that you don't actually know what you're trying to do. You just... You know, once you've ticked that off, you're onto something else. Mm. Yeah, because with you, you've always been, and I think that's a good point to make, unapologetically yourself when you're with us. Yeah. Like when you were like one of the boys when you're with us, and, and I've always loved you for that. But then the other side, you kind of keep that a little bit, little bit guarded, which is right. Yeah. But I just think for me, it's like, and, and I'm with you as well. Like some people go to me, Scott, do you not train legs? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, do you not think I don't train legs? <laughs> Leg I train legs once a week. <laughs> my legs will just don't grow. They've I've got, always been my like legs that. have always been like this, no, right? I know. And I could stress about it, go, but I overtrain my legs and everything else. But like at the end of the day, I go, I've got to accept you can't have it all. Yeah. You can't well, be six you know foot what, four yeah, exactly. with massive legs. You can't. And the thing is, is that I learn to deal with things that I don't know how to deal with mm -hmm. within humor. Mm -hmm. So if someone would say something to me that I didn't know how to react to, I'd just throw in a punchline or Mm. or whatever and you know being pregnant nowadays when people are pregnant they're tiny tiny little things and they've got this little bump when i was pregnant i was huge <laughs> this is what i mean this is what you're laughing at because you know because everyone knew because everyone knew how bloody big i went no because you didn't shut I up didn't about stop how big eating. Yeah. i went big and i i i acknowledged that and i'd go and see my nana and joan would tell me bloody hell your size are detached and i'd put that on my instagram because my worst thought was that i'd go and see someone and then think Oh God, she's put on weight. She don't even know. Mm. I, I like I, to get there first. But one thing annoyed me then though, but you said you're not beautiful. I think you are beautiful. And I think it's, that that there is a defense mechanism. I don't... When you know, like you know, and I know now, you've come in here today, you are looking amazing. You know, I can tell by the way you carry yourself. I've seen you at your lowest. And I know now, deep down now, you are feeling yourself. And, and I don't think, you, by you putting it out there to the world going... I get it's like a defense mechanism mm. saying it before someone else can, but I think also you should be saying, no, I am beautiful. And I do, and by the way, it's easier said than done. Yeah. But I think it's like sometimes before I come out and do this podcast, I get nervous even now and I've done loads of them. But I have to say to myself, Scott, you are a world-class yeah. podcast host. You are going to smash it today. And I was even saying the way I was going, what are you worried about? You're going to smash it's it as you always do. how you speak to yourself. Exactly. It's important it is. But I also want to make 
people aware that it's not, how you look is not the be all and end all. Mm. And it really isn't. And, you know, I don't strive to be the prettiest in the room. I was saying this to Adam the other day when we was talking about like acting like within a job role, I don't want to be the pretty girl next door. I want to be the psycho the next door is going to kill. Do you know what I mean? Like right. I want to be the successful one. I don't strive to be, oh God, she's absolutely gorgeous. Mm. I want to be, God, she's well funny. She's, we had a right laugh of her. Right, okay. And that's, that's, you know, not that you can't have everything. Yeah. But I just don't. And I think, you know, cutting my hair was a massive thing because I think, you know, girls want long flowy hair and it makes them feel nice. And it did for me for so long. And then I thought, I, I kept wanting to cut it. But then I was like, oh, what if I look like a bit boyish or what if it's not cool or what if it just puffs out? But I did it and now I love it. Mm. And I'm like, do you know what? This is me. This is what I stand for. And, and I'm just more at ease with myself now. I'm in a, I'm in a stage in life where the, the opinions that matter are my boys, my partners, my friends, my mm. family. I think that's a really interesting point. I had this conversation with my business coach recently. I was like, I don't really like sitting down and talking about strategy and everything. I don't actually think that's where I'm best placed. I know what I'm good at uh, and the areas that I'm really strong in. So kind of lean into those areas more. It's about being really self-aware of what your strengths are. And like yeah. you said, like it seems like you, you're over the years, you've really narrowed down on what you're really good at and how you want to be positioned in this world. Mm. And you're kind of leaning into that. I did a podcast with Danny Simpson recently and he was talking about how Ronaldo kind of perfected his weaknesses and, and leaned into that and got them even better. Whereas I think there's a lot of strength in actually leaning into just being really comfortable with who you are, what you're good at, mm. and, and just celebrating that. It's funny you mentioned Danny Simpson actually because I looked at the clip on my way in, but... I was, the one thing that I realized, he's obviously from Manchester, but he's very mank, like yeah. me, like I'm very mank. And for so long, I tried to adapt and change that because all of a sudden I was moving in these circles where people didn't sound like me. People didn't speak like me. Everyone was a blank canvas. And, you know, we all pronounced our T's and it was all very nice. And, you know, like we all speak like this and that's not me. And I'd be like, oh my God, like <laughs> I am so, so broad and I'm very, very Mancunian. And my children, like Mech said to me the other day, he was like, oh, I was like, mm, yeah, I can hear that. I was like, you've definitely got that like dulcet tone from me. But that's what I'm saying though. This Brooke here, being unapologetically you, is almost like I want the world to see that on a wider scale. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, but that's only, not, that's only like, now, probably within the past two years that I've been like that. Mm. Because I, I can't change. You can't, people can't, like, obviously you can change how you react to things and you can change you, yourself in, in certain assets. But who you are is who you are. And I'm not going to spend time trying to change things when I've got to put my kids to you. I've mm. got to do the washing. Do you know what I mean by mm. that? Like, there are bigger things to life than what Susan down the road thinks mm. of me. No, I get that. Obviously, this confidence that you've got, Obviously, I've met your mum, Nick, and she's amazing. And you yeah. two have been like thick as thieves ever since I met you. Yeah. And I know you're so close to your mum. What was it like growing up with your mum? Because I know I don't like. Do you know what, Brooke? And this is me being honest. In all these years, right? Dad. I have never. <laughs> and this is this is an exclusive on the podcast. I have never asked you about your dad because mm. I don't know the answer, and it's almost like I didn't want to go there. So I had to ask you before this podcast yeah. if that was okay to go there. But I genuinely don't know. Anything about your dad, which is mad. Do you know, as for that, one of my favorite pictures of your dad is a picture with my dad. No way. At my 21st. It's so bizarre. Is that, that when you were in the gold dress? Um, was that, was that, that's my 19th at Visa. Yeah, I no, always remember no, that. No, this was at, I had a party. But um, 
to you, my dad was like your dad. Right. To everybody else, my dad wasn't with my mom. They split up when I was really young. And I knew him and obviously I know him. It's a hard dynamic with my dad because it was just me and my mom. And I think he saw a lot of my mum in me, which probably used to really irritate him. Same with my dad. Um, but yeah, it, it did. And even still, it, it's a work in progress. And we're still trying to find where each other's boundaries are. And, you know, I do it now for the kids because he likes seeing the boys and, and the boys like going to see him. So it's hard because, like I say, it was me and my mum. And I've seen, looking back now, I've seen the sacrifices that she made for me. Like I say, getting me to drama classes, like my dad couldn't take me some. If my dad couldn't take me, I couldn't have gone. Whereas if my mum couldn't take me, there'd be an alternative. She never let me down. My mum mm. never let me down. Mm. She never does let me down. She always shows up. Mm. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. But I have to be respectful of, you know, the fact he is my dad. I have to be respectful of the fact that, you know, this is on a scale now where people listen and, you know, I love my dad. I do love my dad. And I know that he loves me. I know he loves the boys. So it's just a different dynamic. It's just not the father figure that Kian is to the boys. Mm. It's almost like, going back to what you said, you almost have to accept people for who, who they, they are. are. Like, yeah. I love my dad. Well, I loved my dad. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't the perfect stereotypical dad. No. But wow, I loved him. Yeah, and what he course. gave me, no, I got course. so much out of him. Yeah. Um, was he going to be a stay-at-home dad? Was he going to be there every was day? He no, he was never going to, he was never going to be that person. But it's hard. It must be harder when you see people like Kian, yeah. who obviously are incredible dads. And I see it with my brothers as well. You do ask the question like, where's that come from? Where? Why? Like, why did it not happen? And, like, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Why? And also, yeah. I think I, I speak to my therapist about this a lot because I'm a people pleaser. I always want the validation from other yeah. people. And he always goes back to being a child. And he says that because your dad probably wasn't around for a lot of it. You're looking for yeah. love, like yeah. you're looking for like where it is. That's another thing, like, I was talking to my cousin the other day in the car, my cousin Brian, who obviously, you know, really, really close to him. And I said something, he went, well, that's because of like how your dad was when you was kids. And I was like, and then as much, like, I love to go to a therapist. Like I said this the other day, I started going to a therapist and my mate was like, give me 250 quid a day. I'll come and sit and listen to you. And I was like, but I think now we're trying to find we try and label things and we try and find out the reason why we are a certain way is because of some form of trauma and we try and grasp trauma from all these different angles of childhood or situations that we've been through. When really, it's just okay to be like that. It's mm. okay to look for validation because mm. we're human. You know, you might, you, you could go to one person and they say you look for validation because you've got two brothers. You've got two brothers that are actors. You wasn't an actor. You went down a different path. Mm. But you could constantly look for validation within that. And that's kind of where I was like, okay, the, the situation that I found most hard was when I found out that Kian was Mexi's favourite. And I was like, how is he your favourite? I'm the mum. You should, I should be your favorite. Wait a second, stay again. So who, wait, so Max has said Keanu's his favorite? Yeah. How do you know? Because yeah, I asked him. <laughs> <laughs> He's evident. You know, I know, I know I'm Monroe's favorite. And, well, oh, really? and even slightly, I think I'm losing that as well. But yeah, <laughs> wow. Max, Max's favorite is Kian through and through. Really? Yeah. But when I first realized that, I thought, no. And then I had to ask him and he fully, fully let me know. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. I asked my dad once. <laughs> no one in life would he would say it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sat in my garden with dad, like, God, who's your favourite? I'm thinking, no way he'd answer it. He went, it's got to be Ryan. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, literally. And he went because it's his firstborn. I was yeah. like, no way. Yeah, that for me was mad because I was thinking, well, my mum was always my favourite, but my mum was always my favourite because there was only my mum. Mm. And my mum, like I say, showered me with everything, with love, with, with showing up for me. And, you know, a lot of why I am is because of my mum. Who I am is because of my mum. Mm. But the only thing I'll say about therapy, right, and trying to, I get what you mean, you shouldn't be analysing yourself all the time and everything else. And sometimes, because I'm so self-aware now, I do drive myself mad sometimes thinking, why can't I just be like that? But then understanding why I might be the way I am. It's helped you. It helps me to kind of like comprehend it. What you just said then about the fact that your dad wasn't around and you was looking for, I, 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 that hit my, like I, I, I acknowledge that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it gives you that self-awareness to understand why you might be the way you are. And then, then, it, then knowing that it's okay. It's that's okay, yeah. Because yeah, you understand and, it. Yeah. So I've officially started my sprint triathlon training and I'm not gonna lie, I'm loving every moment. I'm out in open water, doing swimming lessons and I'm trying so many different things that I wouldn't usually do, like being out on my bike now, perfecting my running technique. But I think with the swimming, that's the one that I wanna focus on today because that's where I need the most work. And what I've realized, it's all about your breath work, making sure you're getting that breath on that third stroke and not panicking, taking your time. It's not a sprint, believe it or not. It's about taking your time and getting those key disciplines right. But make sure you're asking for help from someone who's been there, done it, or get yourself some swimming lessons. It's all about putting the work in so on the day, it becomes as easy as possible. And if you need some guidance on your training, check out the training app, Training Peaks. It's got everything you need on there. But please keep going and enjoy every moment because you should be proud of yourself. You're trying something new. I will see you on the 29th of July. So talk to me about your mum because I want to give your mum a big like big up in here because I know how amazing she's been for you. Like, yeah. what is your relationship like with your mum? Now it's chaos because <laughs> I'm older now and you is she know, called Granny? Nick no, now, or just she, Nana. Okay, Nana. Okay. Nana. She, I was gonna say she's too yeah, like, oh, young no, and cool. Yeah. Nana. Um, so the my mum as a mum was the best mum. Is the best mum mm. for me. There's not a, a doubt in my mind that I would be sat here now or I would be in the position that I'm in with family or whatever without the input of my mum. Mm. And it was always just me and her. And I just think, you know, not blowing smoke up my ass, but I just think she's done a really, really good job mm. because since I had children, it's hard. Mm. It's hard being a mum. But put all that to one side, the fact that literally, <laughs> and this is pretty incredible, the whole time you've been in the public eye, you've not really stepped a foot wrong. You've not really had any, like I said, any scandals. Any drama. Our Ryan was in the papers every other week for something yeah. at one point. I don't know what she did. I just feel like I grew up. Grounded. You're what, yeah, you're ground, very well I wasn't, grounded. I wasn't allowed to be the child star. I was never, there was never room. We didn't have time for me to be the child star. Like I couldn't be poor at school because she had to go to work. I didn't have time to mess around in the morning. I was putting on what she'd put out for me because we didn't have the luxury of time or money or, she always says it's Colts Tales, which is me now, which is literally like our coats are getting stuck in the door because we're that last minute. And that's just me and my mum. Like when I look at our relationship that we've had, we've been in the most bizarrest of places together. And then by pure fluke, we got upgraded to first class on the way back from Australia. And I was like, when the, when the thing beeped, I thought she's left the bloody tweezers in the hand luggage. I was like, what have you done? She's like, nothing, nothing. And they said, we want to upgrade you to first class. Now that for me, 
was a huge thing for my mum because that's an experience that we can say that we've done together mm. that not many people can. Mm. And I'd literally want to give my mum the world if I could. Mm. If I made enough money to be able to say to my mum, stop working, that, that's the one thing that I want to do because mm. she deserves it. She mm. doesn't deserve to have to work as hard as she does, even though that's life. Mm. And I get my work ethic from my mum. There was a time where I was doing the radio from... I'd get up at five, do the radio six till 10. I'd go and learn to ice skate till half 12. I'd go to work. I'd then get in a dance class and I'd get home and she'd go. It was when I was on Dancing Ice. <laughs> and I'd get home and she'd go where um, I was eating my tea. <laughs> Why don't you just go practice bending your knees? I went, why don't you just shut up? I said, because you've not got a clue. Literally, she used to rile me because she strives for me for perfection, always. She's always pushed me to say, you know, if there's an extra hour, why wouldn't you do it? If you can make money, why wouldn't you do it? Mm. And that's in me. I don't have sympathy for Kian when he's poorly because I never got it. When the boys are poorly, I'm like, right, okay, come on, let's go. If they fall over, right, done, let's go. And that's just how it's been. It's almost that's like a no bullshit attitude yeah, for life. Yeah, it like. is. And I, and I respect that because sometimes I think I'm a bit soft. No, really? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit soft <laughs> if I get a little bruise or something. And yeah, you are. You're a trooper, aren't you? You just get on you with it. You just have to. But yeah. The reason why you have to, and you know, I see it now with the boys and they're only two and three. If me and Kiana are in the same situation and I say no, they go to him and he says yeah. Mm. And they just play us off each other, mm. vice versa. Mm. But yeah, Kian almost says, yeah, this is why he's the favourite. Yeah. So. And do you know what, though? For me, it's so good to see you so happy with Kian now. Because one thing I remember about you, book over all the years was, I feel like you were unlucky in love for a, long, <laughs> for a long time. I think I was, do you know what I think it was? I always say Kian was the best thing that ever happened to me. It sounds ridiculous because there's been so much more that's been the best thing that ever happened to me. But what I mean by that is when I met Kian, my life changed and it was happy. Not that it wasn't before in any other times, but like, I just remember there being a huge shift. And I, not that I don't know, but like, I absolutely adored him and he adored me and it was nice. It was, it was nice to have somebody on the same wavelength from, like, as you, come from the same background as you. Like, he literally lived up the road. And you know, when you have conversations about, I, I don't really know, but conversations that you would only get if, your mum was a single parent or, you know, he got that and I got that for him and mm. we just become two little peas in a pod. Mm. And that's just kind of like when I met him, I was so cautious for so long because I was like, no, I'm not going to go out with him. No, I'm not going to go out with him. And then I got to the point where I was stopping myself from being happy because of what other people may have thought. And now I'm like, bloody hell, seven years on, we've got two children, we're engaged, like... We, we have each other's, we show up for each other every day and it's not mm. easy. It's not, it's not keeping, you know, each other happy is not easy, but I'm willing to show up for him as long as he's willing to show up for me. And that's just mm. kind of what works. When you said um, that you were cautious about giving it a go because you worry what people might think, what yeah. was the issue there with you and Karen? Just the thing that he was younger than me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God, like what the girl's going to think. Like he's, he's four years younger than me. Like I'm all, I've done being 19, I've done being 20. And, you know, not that I ever knew he was he was 19 when I, I first got with that. him. No, yeah. he's very mature, he's yeah. more mature than me. Yeah. But like, there was just a lot that I was like, no. I'd, I'd, and I think because I'd been hurt, like most young girls, you're just a bit more cautious this time and you just don't really want to put yourself in that position again. 
So that was that was a big thing for me. And we used to meet on Asda Car Park so that no one could see us. Oh, very glamorous. I know, isn't it just? Um, <laughs> literally did. We used to meet on Asda With Car Park. With a Mackey's, by the way. I used to have Mackey's. You have Mackey's. Yeah. Have Mackey's every I used to have Mackey's and he'd get a fruit bag. <laughs> <laughs> So tired, oh my God. but we did. We did. That's what we used to do, and then just sit and talk. And that so gives us. Us. So, Brock Vincent, the big soap star, is meeting in Aston Cart Park on a date <laughs> room with a Mackey's mm-hmm. and a, a fruit shoot bowl, whatever you call it. Fruit bag, he had a fruit, fruit bag because he was training. Wow. He didn't want to eat rubbish. Amazing. Um, I, know, I love the fact that you didn't have any problems. No, that I was not bothered one bit. Can you pass the sauce, please? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't care. But, you know, that's what I mean. That's what I loved because he, he just got me. Mm. And he does, like, he doesn't, he's not one of them people, like I say, he's not one of them people that will stand and take my picture and say, oh, you look absolutely gorgeous. But he's the person that whose hug makes everything better. I was going to say one thing that I think with you two, I might be speaking out of turn, I feel like he makes you feel safe. Yeah, he does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I noticed that with you. It's like, Probably again, though, going back to the therapy, going back to the validation thing, maybe that's why I am the way I am. Maybe that's why, you know, therapy wouldn't be so bad because somebody can articulate why I do things the way I do them. Mm. You know, again, within my house, it's very much, or it was very much like my mum's way or the highway, whereas I can't do that in my house. So that's an adaptation of compromise and asking him what he thinks and, you know, again, like I say, it's not always easier because you both have different opinions on going forward or what you want for mm. the ch- like for the children. But yeah, he does. He does make me feel safe, and I absolutely adore him. Mm. And I just, I, I could go as far to say as I love him unconditionally. Mm. I really, really do. The love that I have for him, regardless of any situation that may arise, how he is with my with my children, the dad that he is with my children. That's a huge thing for yeah, me. Yeah, but I, I always think you've been older beyond your years in a way. And like even like in your 20s and stuff, and even just knowing you're growing up, I felt like you always craved to have that really solid relationship. Yeah. And do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah, yeah. with me... Because I, I never... Ha- I didn't have the... This is what I mean. This is what's really funny. I didn't have what I thought family life would be. So, you know, I thought that everyone sat down at seven o'clock in the morning for breakfast with like orange in a glass jar. Mm, And, you know, sounds nice, doesn't it? Literally tried that one time. (laughs) One of the kids flew the beans all. It was just chaos. Like, it just doesn't happen. But, you know, I, I thought I wanted something. And it turns out that the messier, more chaotic circus version is just the whole much better. Mm. I mean, my, like, I keep talking about business coach, but honestly, I go to see my business coach and he gives me one of my actions is to meet someone. Mm. And he says, Scott, there's no point in you doing all this over here. And if you get to the age of like 45 and you've got millions in the bank, but you've got no family and no missus yeah. or anything else, yeah. he said, I want you to really put some effort into doing that. And it's it's hard for me because I create my vision board and everything else. And I don't actually put it on there. Whereas recently, and what I found really interesting is that even this weekend, I think like I'm, I think I'm okay in my own company I'm not alone. But what I realized is if I put my phone down and I'm away from my phone, I tend to feel a lot more lonely because you forget when you've got followers and Instagram and even just being on WhatsApp. Instant communication. Instant communication. And I think, wow. So when I try and get some bit distance between me and my phone, I start to notice that, shit, I'm a lot lonelier than, I think I'm not in a way that, oh, poor me. But I've started to think, you know what? I do need 
someone else to share this with. And I think, you know, I could work a, a full day and be absolutely knackered and get home and it, it, I just get to look at the kids and it just makes it worth it. And that's all it is. It's not that, you know, some people don't choose to have children. Some people choose to be alone. Mm. You know, it, it's a choice. And as much as I agree with, obviously, what your business coach is saying, I also think that, like, like for me to listen to you then saying like your vision board, mm. that's a huge step for you. Mm. And I remember in past relationships where I was like, what have you done? Why are you like, what's happened? And you'd be like, I did this. And I'd be like, that's a massive improvement. Well done. Yeah. And you'd be like, no, it's still not good enough. And I think that's, you know, in today's society, especially, it's either you either have the family or you have the career, mainly for women, but also for men, that's a, that's a huge thing. You can either have the family life or you have the business and the money and the drive and flying off here and flying off there. And it's very, very rare that you can have two and, and them match. Mm. So I think that's a big, a big thing. Yeah, that's something I'm trying to master and trying to get that balance in life. But listen, we talk about business. Business. You're a businesswoman now. You sat here now oh today in your little snazzy suit. I know I feel very business. I was nearly going to stop off and get a coffee with like when they always look at professional. You know I feel like you look very social PR today. Like we could hire yeah, you. Yeah, listen, office. I am here. I've actually just got a new job, but if not, I would have been here. Oh, wow. Let's talk about um, also B. Yeah. Um, which is obviously your journaling. So range. planners. Yeah. So planners. basically, the reason why I did this is because I I did dancing on ice. At that time, I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and I was going to bed at half eight and I literally didn't have a spare half an hour that I wasn't working. And that went on for six months. So when it finished, I remember being sat in Kian's room. We lived with our parents at the time. I remember being sat in Kian's room and I was like, so do you want to have a baby? Should we get married? Should we move out? Why don't we decorate? What should we, should we go shopping? Like I just was so irritant and I just couldn't settle. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do something that I love. And I remember... I used to love planners. I used to love like filofaxes and paper. <laughs> I'm such, such a geek. <laughs> I know, I don't. But organization, structure, yeah. like schedules and like routine is a huge part of me. And that's what I used to love about it. There was no better feeling for me than buying a new planner and filling it in. I loved it. And I remember really funnily, Sash went and worked in America and this planner that I wanted was a hundred pound and it only shipped in America. So I said to Sasha, I'll get it delivered to you. When you finish filming, bring it back. Don't open it. Don't write your birthday in it. Don't touch it. I want to see it. And remember, she brought it to me. And I was, and we was at Sense Parks at the time. And I looked at it and I went, I'm going to have one of these. And I literally said it. And then that was it. I just went with that. Wow, I didn't even know the story behind it like that. I didn't know yeah. you were a proper like, but, journal but, yeah, Geek. well, it was not journaling. Journaling right. now, I think, is like... Oh, uh, okay. Journaling's better planning. now because you can get your feelings out. It's right. planning. It's, I didn't have a planner that started at five when I started my day. Right. Do you know what I mean? Everything started at nine o'clock. And I was like, people's days now don't start yeah. at nine o'clock. I'm saying this like, I've, like I'm a businesswoman. I haven't got a Scooby-Doo, mate. you are, though. You're no, doing Scott. it. You're three years old now. Ring, I used to ring the printers and they'd ask me a question. And I, I had to learn the phonetic alphabet. I didn't know what the, I was like, yeah, it's I for igloo. And they'd be like, pardon? And like, I, I had that. to learn all these things. There's loads of things that like, it's, it's look and learning, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, I by no means will sit in a meeting and people use all these fancy words that I just don't understand. And I always say, have you got like an Audenshaw version of that word? <laughs> like, I need to know what that word means. And I'm not bothered that I don't know things that people are saying to me. I'm not afraid to say, what does that word mean? The same with like how I kind of parent the boys. Like I am no means, 
I, I tell you now, being a mum is the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. And I've tried to dance on ice. Like, mm. it's hard <laughs> and it's challenging and it can sometimes really make you question yourself and if you're being a good parent. But one thing I'm not afraid to do with the boys is apologize. I don't worry about saying sorry. I don't say, listen, I got that wrong. When we got that wrong, I'm sorry for shouting because I didn't realize that this happened because the last thing that I want is them to think that adults are always right and children are not. You know, there is times where I've been wrong and I don't want them to grow up thinking I can't apologize. I can't say sorry because it makes you look weak because it doesn't. Mm. You know, the last thing that I want is them to be scared to tell me the truth. But I do fly off the handle at absolutely everything. I've got no patience. Yeah, yeah. And life is just chaotic. Yeah, but you'd much rather just have the truth. Yeah. I get that. So obviously, business is doing is re doing really well. Um, you're on the up now. Um, you've obviously learned a lot, a lot of things along the way, which is yeah. part of business, by the way. I, I always use the analogy of like a duck in business, mm. like literally floating across, across the water, but underneath just flapping away. And I feel like if you ever feel like that, it's completely normal. Um, and for anyone listening to this as well, like like you said, stay open and yeah. absorb as much as you can. But one thing that I really want to talk about, which I think a lot of the listeners will identify with, is your body confidence um, during pregnancy. It's something that you, you talked quite vocally about. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of skimmed the surface before. But obviously, you, you struggled, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, hated um, it. Hated it. Talk to me about that. I, as a person do this, I wear high-waisted pants, I wear a crop top, a blazer, I wear things that are oversized. I don't really care about showing off my figure yeah. until I was pregnant. And then I realized I couldn't wear that style of outfit. So I had to completely change my dress sense to fit my bump. And there's not really nice clothing for bumps if you went to the size that I went to. Mm. But like I say, like nowadays when women are pregnant, there's a huge pressure on them to be glowing and oh my God, you're only pregnant from the front and you can't even tell you're pregnant from the back and all this thing. And for me, I didn't know what it was like to have the baby in my arms. I didn't have that feeling yet. So all I could see was these physical changes. And I remember one day being sat on the landing, folding my washing off the maiden or something, and I felt like an ape. I felt like when the ape's boobs like sits on his tummy, like I was literally like boiling up. I was just sat there, I was like, oh my God, my life's over. And I wasn't like okay with it. I just couldn't get my head around it. I just felt huge. It was the first thing that people saw. And it didn't help that at the time I was pregnant, there was another person in the public eye that was pregnant at the same time. And she was like amazingly glowing, like amazingly put together and just looked so neat. And it always makes me laugh when it was, was it Ryan and Lucy's engagement? And they got me on that bloody boat. Oh, yeah. I said to Ryan, I said, I'm not coming. He was like, no, you've got to come. I said, Ryan, I can't fit in anything other than my slippers. I said, I don't want to come. And he made me come on that boat. And I was on the tube, like I was massive. Do you remember? Like I was huge, which is okay. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm growing a human and I, I just enjoyed my food and whatever. But I think there's such a pressure now. And also after you've had a child, that bounce back period, I did a huge post on that because I didn't just bounce back and you get so used to listening to people say, oh, you bounce back, you're young, you're this, you're that. It's not about bouncing back. It's about how you feel. And I think that time after having a baby, you're so vulnerable that the last thing you're thinking about, the last thing you should be thinking about is bouncing back mm. because it's hard. It so really how did you hard. how did you find some positivity then to deal with that? So obviously you went through that the first time yeah. around of being pregnant. I'm yeah. guessing you had a new set of tools yeah. from so, a mindset perspective so, for the second pregnancy? Uh, no, no, I still went big. <laughs> <laughs> it was worse. 
worse. It was worse because I used to then finish off his teas as well. Right. That's the worst thing as a parent. Right. And now I've got two. Is that I'll eat my tea and then when they don't eat theirs, I'll finish theirs yeah, off Adam as well. Says that. It's so bad. But no, I didn't. I went I went huge as well. But I knew that there was an end result. I knew that I could right. get back to where I wanted to be. So I had Monroe in the May and then in the October I went back to UP, which is ultimate performance, where I'd done my transition. Transition? Is that the right? Transformation. Transformation. And I said to him, look, I kind of want to get myself back next year. I'm turning 30. I want to get back into acting. I want to get myself back into the genes that I want to be in, the way that my body's comfortable. And then that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. I worked from October till the June, till my party, just like becoming fitter, becoming stronger. And naturally within that, eating better, you naturally become skinnier mm. and, and you lose weight. Mm. So... That was, yeah. But so it, it sounds like you kind of accepted the process for what it if was. If I have and, another baby, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind, I will be at that chippy every Friday because right. that's me. Right. I just eat, which is mad because now one of the things that has been affected by my pregnancy is my stomach. So now I have stretch marks on my stomach and like I'm still learning to be okay with that because it's essentially me but not me because... Mm. It's a love-hate thing I've got with them at the minute and I'm not necessarily ready to show people yet, but I will. Mm. But I was like, oh my God, that's because I ate so much. That's because of this, that's because of that. And I was gutted. And then I seen a girl who was like the teeniest, tiniest little thing and she didn't naturally carry big and she had stretch marks. Mm. So there's so many things that you try and, you know, like, Help Compa compare, compare, compare com yourself. Co constantly yeah. compare. So basically it sounds like you kind of understood that this is... This how you go months, this is how you yeah. go through pregnancy yeah, it's nine it might be different to somebody else yeah and it's okay to go through that and you know that you will bounce back yeah. in your own way your as own and time, when you yeah. want to yeah and you just find this and i think as as a mom you really struggle with finding yourself again after having kids and i don't expect kind of like you to understand that but in my head it's like it's weird it's like you're there but all of a sudden your whole purpose is making sure that these two children are okay. You mm. don't put yourself first anymore. So when I talk about, obviously, like the influencing lifestyle, my kids don't want to see me get ready. They don't care whether I've got makeup on. They don't care whether I look cool. They want to go to soft play and they want to get there as soon as they can. So I come last. Mm. Like how I look comes last. You know, as long as they're okay, as long as they're having a good time, I don't really care. Mm. I see whoever I see, I go and see my nana and... You know, nine times out of ten, I, I look like I've been dragged for a hedge backwards. But I just live with that. I just deal with that because at turn, and like in turn, when times when I need to dress up and look okay, I can do that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This it sounds like you've really, really got a good understanding of who you are, and you're just cool with that. And I think one thing to take away from this podcast as well, and I do it all the time, is especially in business and and even where I'm up to in life at the age of 34 now, should I have a family? It's like, you know what? Stop comparing yourself to other yeah. people. In the same way you didn't compare yourself, well, you don't compare yourself now mm. to other people when they're pregnant. It's almost like everybody's different. Everybody yeah. deals with things in different ways and everybody gets to where you need to be at the right time for exactly. them. Exactly. And, and I do really believe in like, timing is everything. I do believe in that. Like, look at yourself, for instance, you personally. Look at the journey you've been on in the past year. You had children and you're trying to deal with whatever you was trying to deal with two years ago, it probably would have come out as a different, you know, that would have yeah, been a completely yeah. different outcome. So you just have to take what comes as it comes. Do you know what I mean? Like there's times like obviously I've gone back to, well, I say I've gone back to acting, but I, I got a new agent and I started going for auditions and I was reading the brief. And every time I read the brief, I'd be like, oh my God, it's 
an American TV series. It starts filming in Toronto on the 5th of June. I'm like, what am I going to do? Because Kian plays football. I don't know where he's going to be this season. We've got two children now. And naturally, I come last. I say it all the time, but in our house, I come last. The, boy, the boys, Kian, me. And I just navigate around them. So whatever I can do around them, that's what happens because I'm the mum. That's the compromise that you obviously make. Mm. But that's what was worrying is that going into a new era of like becoming yourself and, and pushing yourself and going through things. I say to Sash, before she's obviously had children, this is an amazing time to go and do them opportunities because you wouldn't necessarily have the same outcome mm. when you've got children or you've got a family or you know, things have changed. Isn't that an argument, though, in order to be the best mum you could possibly be and to be the best girlfriend or wife, that you kind of do need to find time to put you first so that yeah. your cup is always kind of full, yeah. which is really difficult. It's easy <coughs> yeah. for me to talk about getting up at 5 a.m. and doing my meditating journaling. Like, I, I know when I put when it out there. I it makes me laugh when I see you've been up. I think, you might as well just come and live at my house and get up with my kids. Well, this is what I mean, but I know it's very easy for me because of my situation yeah. to, to, to live that lifestyle. Yeah. But obviously, I think it is still important for you to, to, to prioritise you. And I do, I do the gym and the boys go to nursery and things like that. But at this moment in time, my career needs to navigate around them. Okay. And for me and Kian, like, like I say, we don't know where Kian's going to be this season. For me and him, our main priority is making sure that the boys' lives don't change unless they need to. And making sure they've got their safe spaces within nursery or friends and family. And you just, you just have to... It's just a shift, isn't it's it? It's navigation, like you said. It's just it's, navigating. It's juggling right. yeah. and it's just constant and everyone's just trying the best. And I think that's what we need to remember is that everyone is just trying the best. No one goes out purposely to be a dick. Yeah. Well, I do sometimes, but they don't. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. someone might just be having a bad day. And I think there's a lot to be said for that, mm. that it's just okay to have off days. And yeah, 100%. I, when we say about being the best mum, I always say like, you can't, I can't be the best mum, the best looking in the room and the best girlfriend all in one day. Like I have to, I have to prioritize for the day. So I say to Kia, I'll be the best girlfriend next Friday. <laughs> Cook your tea. <laughs> tea and you wash it over wow, on the bed. Oh God. Well, listen, this is the brook that I want to see more of. Oh God. Like, don't honestly, get out of my house while I say like, that. Don't let, let's, let's use this moment now. And anyone listening to this, listen to this, make sure you message Brooke and say, we want to see more of this brook. The open brook, the brook who's just unapologetically herself, because for me, that is where you're at your best. And this podcast has been everything and more than I knew it would be. And I want to say thank you to you as well, because you've always been there for me. Oh, don't cry. Now you have. And she, she always has been there for me. And you've never turned your back on me when there's many times that you probably could have, after, especially after a crazy night out. And we've been through a lot together as well. Yeah. But yeah, I just want, I want to say thank you, man. You've been like a... I say, and, you're one of those friends, right, that you don't have to see all the time. Yeah, and it's, and it's just like, same. bro, you're coming on my podcast this week. Yeah. She went, she was like, how far down the list was I? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, who had to cancel for you to ring I me? I was like, bro, it's a jigsaw random Monday night. But honestly, um, I, you've been amazing and Thank you me. are amazing and I'm really proud Thanks of you and me. you should be proud of yourself too. And I think Thank you look you. beautiful today. Thank you. And beautiful not, every day. I've not seen enough people. I need to go shopping. I need to go to Traffic Center or something and see more people so they can see me looking yeah, like this. Yeah, you do. We need to get a pat. Can we call uh, pat? <laughs> can we get, get a, a pat, please? Yeah, let's get a pat, please. <laughs> oh, amazing. Oh, thank, thank you. Now, that is the Brooke that I wanted you all to hear because I've known Brooke for nearly 16 years now. And she's just so raw, honest, and unapologetically herself. But sometimes, not everybody gets to see that side of Brooke. So I hope you got so much out of that podcast because I know I did. And I'm just so proud of her. She's an incredible mum, businesswoman now, and an incredible actress as well. She's achieved so much. 
But thank you to everybody who keeps supporting this podcast. It's growing. It's got so much momentum now on YouTube and all the different platforms. So please continue to follow, subscribe and share wherever you listen to your podcast. And make sure you DM me as well with any of your takeaways from the podcast and I'll be sure to share them. But thank you for tuning in and I will see you again next week for another incredible guest with Learning As I Go.